Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connection, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you engagement. Hello, Kevin, and welcome to Back to Basics. Likewise, likewise. Well, you know, at one point in my life, I created a hashtag called Time to Reconnect. So when I read about you and and what you call in the great reconnection and all that good stuff that we're going to touch upon, I say, oh, I have to have Kevin on the show. So thank you for being here. Thank you. So, Kevin, I always like to ask my my guests a, a bit about their origin story and, you know, where are you from, where you grew up, anything about your family life and what, most importantly, what were you passionate about when you were young? Like, I don't know if writing a book was in that bucket list as uh, for young Kevin, but share a little bit about that part of your personal journey, if you if you will. Okay. Uh, so my personal journey that may surprise you and anybody else is I actually got a green card in a lottery from the U.S. Okay. And so I, I grew up in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And and back in the 90s, the U.S. had issued a policy of, of issuing uh, green cards by this lottery system. Mm-hmm. And so I was fortunate to apply to, to that several times. And finally got got into that lottery. And then you you land in the US and and with your green card, and you're essentially a quote unquote citizen of the state in which you first arrived in. And so what I realized when I was there in my early 20s is I arrived in Massachusetts and I now become a resident of Massachusetts. So it allows you then to take federal student loans to go to graduate school in the U.S. and and be treated as a U.S. citizen for the purposes of doing that. But then I I realized you can just arrive in the U.S. with not very much money in your pocket, be eligible to borrow a lot of money and get better educated and get into the U.S. system and build student loans because the U.S. system is built on credit. And then you graduate and you you get a corporate roles to pay off those loans. So that's what I did. I went into corporate consulting, into um, uh, corporate strategy, and over time just entered the U.S. It was my dream as a as a kid to just you know you're in, you're in college in Ireland and you're like oh wouldn't it be great to get a job at a U.S. corporation because at the time U.S. corporations were hiring people in Ireland. That was the dream of every business student. Mm-hmm. In, in Ireland, like to work for a U.S. company, okay. to be able to, yeah, to, to arrive in the U.S. and enter into the U.S. system and work for U.S. companies and do strategy for U.S. companies, that was that was the dream. I was living the dream. Oh, great, great. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, was that something in Ireland that you say, oh, you know, like, I want to go to the U.S. because, you know, my family is Italian and they they have this fascination with the U.S., but not so much like to come here. I don't know, maybe now, but for, and I talk for my family, like my cousins in Sicily, they say America, like it's still, you know, like yeah, back in uh, the day uh, where my dad took a ship to go to Venezuela and immigrated, but they seem so, it seems so far away. But of course, Ireland and the U.S., there's a different history there. So I can imagine why that was uh, exciting. 
It's, it's very different. And I've, family members of mine have been coming to the U.S. since uh, the 1890s mm-hmm. in different waves of generations. So it's every 10 or 20 years, a number of my family comes to the U.S. and we're scattered all over the U.S. And they, Ireland is close enough. But for me, it is faster for me to leave Boston, go to Ireland and be at my mother's front for work than it would be to fly to L.A. and to go downtown LA. Absolutely. Like our, people don't realize how close Ireland is to the US, yes. especially to Boston and New York. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I, I get totally right. I think that that's that little psychological a barrier that sometimes we have like Europe and we feel it's so far away. And yeah. we see some sometimes, you know, that you even see the tickets and you can get fairly cheap tickets to fly there yeah. and explore. So I'm all for that. So I will be on your mom's doorstep. (laughs) And, and, you know, in in Boston, there's a history of mayors are either Italian-American or Irish-American. And they just keep going between the Italian-Americans and the Irish-Americans for many years. So when you're in Boston and you're Italian or Irish, people are checking your name up. Maybe we're related. Maybe we're not. So I love it. I love the smallness of America, even though it's a big country. When yes. you come from a certain ethnic group, there's a certain intimacy and smallness that when you meet somebody with Irish, an Irish-American, uh, which is 40, 40 million Americans, they treat you as a lost family member almost. There's this kinship or an acceptance of you, even though you have nothing in common initially. Mm-hmm. But there's an acceptance for Italians, for Irish, for us, for certain cultures that that is imperceptible, but but very positive. Mm, so interesting, so interesting. So you basically, you know, like got your dream, you got a, a fantastic education and, and then you went into corporate world. Are you still there or are you just now, like I know you're your global speaker and author. So you wrote the book, you co-authored the Future Workplace Experience. And I love the title, by the way, and I can imagine that, you know, after the pandemic and we're still kind of in pandemic time, this is very relevant subject. Absolutely. Yes, I, I did leave the corporate world to be in small businesses and one of the businesses and to teach. The challenge with Irish people is if you give them a microphone, <laughs> you better have a good plan on how to get the microphone back from them. Right? Irish people love to speak, love to talk. Mm. And you can get paid to speak and talk. That is living the American dream for me. Yes. I started teaching as an adjunct in, in uh, Babson College here in Boston, which is a college for entrepreneurs. And teaching entrepreneurship and helping students think about how do you identify needs and and address, and design businesses and solutions to address those needs. Um, that that's one of the other essences of being sensitive to the needs of others and trying to find a solution for those needs. Mm-hmm. So going from that entrepreneurial thinking into the corporate world and thinking about well, instead of thinking about what customers need, what and thinking about the experience of a customer journey. What if you apply the same thinking to the experience of an employee and think about the employee journey? In a sense, thinking of employees as customers. Mm-hmm. And that's a, instead of sets and resources to be squeezed 
for yield and efficiency and productivity? What if there were resources that would be invested in and nurtured and, and get some be patient on your returns? And so that that's how I moved in from the uh, corporate and entrepreneurship world into the into the human resource world and the business of people versus the business of business and products. Mm, I love that. I really do. And I think it's something that the world needs more of because it's just when people think about the bottom line just to be money and they forget that the humans are the ones that make the magic happen. And I've said it in the show, but I share it with you. I'm in telecommunications and, you know, one of my biggest passion is to advocate for our workforce because we now want to watch our movies, want to do everything on our phones And, you know, tower climbers are one is one of the deadliest job there is. And these people are completely they're the real heroes. You know, you go through the pandemic and Department of Labor, you know, praise, of course, all the first responders, of course, you know, people that kept us healthy and all that. But then the people that kept us connected, we survived the pandemic in great part because of our ability to connect. And these people are completely forgotten. And so being communications, an essential, you know, need basically now. And so I totally am with you in like, we need to highlight the importance of the employee, the importance of the people that make the magic happen. And that's why, you know, when I saw your book, I said, oh, this is fantastic that we put, we raise awareness on this front. Absolutely. And what, what happened in the pandemic is, look, everybody jumped onto Zooms, right? It became a stock joke for cartoons and everybody would open up with some sort of Zoom joke. But uh, when you're managing people over Zoom in small groups, it became very much get on the Zoom call, what's going on, what are the updates around the issues, and, and leave. And what got lost was the ability to just connect at the coffee cooler mm-hmm. or the water cooler or the coffee pot mm-hmm. or the, the little luncheons that people would gather and and connect in between meetings or you go to a meeting and hang out for t- five or ten minutes before the meeting or after the meeting we lost a lot of that when we went um virtual mm-hmm. and the skills for connecting with people virtually and the behaviors are different than what that people weren't used to it and didn't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. And that got me then thinking about, you know, as people are coming back to the office, everybody's talking about back to office, back to office. Well, one of the first, before you get, that's just a question of where people do the work, but there's still a question of how you manage and engage with your teammates when you're doing your work. So it's this is part of the, re, it's not a return to work, it's a reconnection with your workers mm-hmm. and i think if you can reconnect first then location should follow reconnection and a lot of work can still be done and a lot of the reasons that people are driving back to the office um, those motivations for managers can still be accomplished if instead you focus on reconnecting more personally with with your remote staff and then there'll be less pressure on than stressing them where they actually do that work. So I, I look forward to talking about that, that reconnection with you. 
Mm-hmm. That That's very interesting because, yeah, a lot of people are talking about how we're going to do this. Like, are people going to go, you know, to really stay on a hybrid mode? I just read somewhere that Disney is going to be one of the first companies to, you know, make their employees go back to the office four days a week. And so there's all this confusion where people are demanding more. And I'm curious what you think about this, you know, shortage that you see everywhere, like you experience you you no matter where you go you see that the the service that the people are saying they're shortage why do you think people are not going back to work the way we knew it well i think there's three reasons whenever it takes six months to build a new habit right according to all the various literatures and now people who are home for most people many people were home for a year and some were home or remote for two years so they built a whole set of new habits. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's not like, uh, and I think we all, we all grew up uh, in our schooling where you went away for the summer holidays and then you come back to school or to college and, and that first week of just, hey, how was your summer? You're reconnecting with people and you're going back to that familiar classroom, but you still have to reconnect with with people who were away for those three months and it took a little time to just match up before you synced up with how people had grown up and developed in that time away from the institution so now multiply that by four and how much time how much change people have had while they've been out of office so so i think there's three drivers here one is uh, for leaders is to reconnect, and I'll put it myself in the position of the employee, reconnect me emotionally with the purpose of the company. Like, what, what is this business all about? And what is this business trying to do? Because I've spent the pandemic thinking about what my personal purpose is, a lot of us, and, and re-evaluating our own lives, right? The second one is reconnect me culturally through the values and behaviors and and a sense of belonging with this organization. I mean, I've talked, we've tolerated this temporary Zoom calls and, and emails and late nights and early morning calls, but now let's get back to reconnecting me what how we want to behave around here. And the third one is reconnect me physically to where I do my best work. And in this one, you know, surveys indicate, I'll just go a little deeper in that one and then we can revisit the other two. If I'm left to work productively remote, I feel trusted to work. You have to, I have to feel trusted. I have to feel informed. I have to feel like I can effectively focus and collaborate. So with these little Slack messaging, this little ironing, this constant interruptions, we can't just move those interruptions from an office environment to a home environment and be pinging everybody on these these IM messaging. It's like, I need to be able to focus. Mm-hmm. But when I come to the office, I have to feel differently. I have to feel like I'm learning. I have to feel connected to my colleagues and the company culture. And I want to feel a sense of well-being that you're taking care of me. And, and that's why companies are putting on better food, better light, uh, water. Uh, just, is this office a, ugh, mm-hmm. to show up to? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, is there good nutrition, good food, good practices? Like, is this something that's going to give me, am I going to feel better by coming to the office? Don't let me go to the great battleship and eat canteen food. 
Mm-hmm. I've been cooking for myself at home for two years. I've been uh, having snacks. I, I, I just need to feel my, my well-being needs to be taken care of coming to the office. This is very interesting. I, I, I love that angle about the habit creation. I, I, I totally agree. And I, I feel in myself how there are things that I had achieved during the pandemic that I almost don't want to let it go. And I, and I feel like sometimes when you get, I've shared this before, like I'm on a on a treadmill and I see that they're increasing the the, the speed, you know, and like at some point, it's like, yeah. okay, I can do this and I can keep the habits that I liked and I can manage. And now when things are really getting back to normal and the traveling and all like, oh boy, here we go. I'm going to have to let go of some of that stuff or I have to really, you know, like say no to some things or you realize that we you cannot have it both ways in yeah. terms of yeah. what we had designed. So I think it's very interesting and i know the book has you offer very actionable uh strategies for you know leaders and and people in hr and people that really want to take a close look in your view what's do, do you think companies are really embracing because my fear is that during the pandemic and in that time everybody was very conscious and intentional about all this and then again as that treadmill speeds up like then the companies tend to fall back into the usual so where do you see the biggest resistance into let's say implementing some of of the strategies that you offer in your book well i, I think the the book's called the future workplace experience so let's look at that notion of experience what is the experience of being an employee here what is the experience of working for me and with me. And if we focus on that idea of experience and how we can enhance the experience of our employees and those that we work with, we'll do better. And one of the key parts of improving experience is it begins with listening. And I'll, so here's my first framework to introduce. And, and there's three great questions for opening up the experience of a manager with a direct report or with a colleague you know i'll give you those three questions is one is how are you just ask them, how are you and shut up and listen how are you and i don't mean it as a greeting like a high passing but hey hi how are you and you keep going past them and into the cop get your coffee stop and listen how are you and and what do people say and two how how am i feel free to share how you're doing because that adds to an era, a, a level of transparency and sharing of, of just helping others understand where you're coming from. And then I think the third question is, how are we? How are we? And on that one, it's really, how are we doing? And listening to that. And very few people, they'll ask, how are you? They might, they will share, how am I? But very few people ask that third question, how are we? And that's where, when you ask that question, you're opening up insights into the dynamic of the relationship between the two of you. Would you like to listen to that one? Um, so that's one powerful framework. Another way to frame some of these back-to-work conversations is what I call the roses, horns, and buds conversation. And this one, again, it's about listening. It's the Tisha, how, you know, how are you? What are your roses? What's going well for you right now? Like, what are your successes? And, and just listen again. And half the time, 
the Letitias will talk about work stuff, but they'll also talk about what's going on outside the office. Well, my kid has just got an award for being a baseball player of the year or something else. So you just listen to what's going well. And it's not always work stuff, right? So that's, a, that's the role. And then you ask, well, what are some of the torrents? What's not going well? And it's like, okay, here's some of my challenges. Either I'm having a problem with accounting or I'm having... And, and just listening to the challenges and again, paying attention to how many of the what's not going well items are work-related and how many start to become home life or outside work-related. And we're setting, getting that sense of understanding our whole employee or whole person. And then the, the buds, so it's roses, horns, and buds. The buds are what's new? What are you working on? Uh, that you're optimistic or excited about? What are those new buds in spring? Right? I know we're in winter right now, but what are those buds? And what are you excited about? What, what's, what's coming up? And people just light up because they love to talk about what they're working on that, will, that they expect to bear fruit over the next few, few weeks. Mm. So what, what those two frameworks indicate is we have to, as we re reconnect with employees, and colleagues and peers, one, we have to have better uh, listening skills, but we also have to have better questioning skills, genuine questioning skills, not performative, but just be genuinely interested in others and how they're doing. And everybody has their own story for the last two years, and, and it's all different, but it hasn't been positive. If people haven't talked to you for a while, don't assume they're busy. Sometimes, and this happened to me recently, somebody called me and said, look, I'm sorry I haven't reached out. Happy New Year. I'm sorry I didn't talk to you in 2022, but I was having a difficult year and I just didn't, I, I withdrew into myself. I have had, I've heard that from several people at the end of the, this last year and so far in January. Sorry, we didn't talk. I withdrew, things weren't going well. And I'm now ready, new year, new opportunities to reconnect, to reach out. So, so this is the beginning of a new year and we have new opportunities to reach out. That's, that's great. Yeah, I, lo I love that concept. And by the way, I don't know where I read, but it was a while back that I read about the rose, the thorn and the, and the bud. And I implemented it in, in my family. So now I would do it with our kids. I have an eight-year-old and a 12-year-old and we do it before dinner every night. And it's your total, I, I, and it would be great to implement it at work. I, 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 and I never thought I did it in the family aspect and it's amazing what, comes out of the kid's ma mouth. Like you would think they're going to say this because you think you know them so well. And then something completely different comes out of their mouth. So I can see how that would be a very powerful, you know, exercise at work. I, I totally like that. So I, I definitely will implement it also at work. Uh, thanks for that tip. <laughs> Actually, I took it from a family. There was a family I met and, and they were traveling together as a big family for, for a month. And I said, how did the whole family stay together? And, and just what were the dynamics for the month? And they said, well, every day we did an exercise at a family called Heisenberg. Mm -hmm. And so we go around the family. And when we're usually after we had our, din uh, our dinner at mealtime, we'd say, hey, what are your highs for the What were your highs for today? Mm -hmm. 
and what were your loads for today? Mm-hmm. So that's a variation from family use versus the buzz rooms and horns, depending on the, the age of your, your family members. Yeah. Um, but highs and lows. It's amazing. And, and, yeah. and asking for the, and you're right, when people ask that just the energy that people put into their highs is you really get what's exciting people. And when they start talking about the lows, you, it exposes concerns, but it goes back to asking and listening. And this is the trend now for 2023 towards a new management style, which is a softer uh, level of management. It's a softer management style. Mm-hmm. And, and, and as we come back post-pandemic, it's, it's the style you have to take if you're a coach and and you're you're coaching a, a, a team and not being a coach, and the team lost over the weekend and you're meeting the team on Monday, it's the style you take when you're talking to team members when your team just lost. Mm-hmm. It's just it's gentle and it's kinder, it's considerate, it's sensitive. Mm-hmm. And that's what we have to do now in as part of reconnection is understand that the last two years weren't on average they weren't super for everybody on average people aren't coming out on a high mm-hmm. people are coming out with a few setbacks on a low it was a tough game and they got beaten up over the last two years and we have to just be softer kinder gentler and understand that people are coming in having had a lot of varied and different experiences, and they weren't all positive. Mm-hmm. That's so softer, gentler management style and colleague style, mm-hmm. and also being remote. I mean, at the office, you get a sense of, "Hey, Leticia, I've noticed you've just been a little off in one or two of our meetings, and you know what's going on." We didn't have that opportunity to pick up those subtle signals mm-hmm. from each other, and that one-to-one time that impromptu one-to-one time to just reconnect with people mm. in between our meetings. Mm. So we've got a lot of makeup to do on the reconnecting. And there's a few ways that companies can do that. Mm, that's great. Yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, the empathy aspect of it, like the pandemic put us in a position to be empathetic because not many times we go through an experience as humanity, as everybody's exposed to the same thing. And, you know, you could feel it on those early days when you heard somebody got COVID and like you could feel the empathy. You could feel people like, oh, no way. And, uh, you know, yeah. like wanting to to really support you. And I think hopefully we don't lose that. We don't lose that empathic, empathetic you know, style, because as I always said, even in my teams, when people have a doctor's appointment, I say, I have a doctor's appointment where I cannot negotiate when they give it to me. How can I pretend that my team is going to decide what time, you know, because you hear all the time, like, oh, you cannot go. Or it's like that double standard of management and, you know, where you pretend that for you, it doesn't count, but for the others, it's a different set of standards. I've always um had a, a rejection towards that particular style, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's try it steps back to the trust and giving people more more flexibility. Absolutely. And and there's another dynamic that has taken place is companies didn't sit still during the pandemic where people are showing back into the workplace. And let's say like the big consulting organizations, big management consulting organizations, uh, some of those companies one third 
40% of their employees, new employees were hired during the pandemic. So for some companies that up to half of the employees, uh, post-pandemic, it's the first time coming into the office. And they spent a year or two just being a remote company, and they don't have a, a uh, established pattern for how, how things are done around here, how we behave when we get together in person at this company. And, and I think it's shocking for people to realize as they're coming back to work, how many new faces are around the table that they only saw on Zoom. I, I, I met some people originally from Zoom, and we'd have regular meetings from Zoom. And we're no idea how tall we each were, right? In, in Zoom, we're all ahead in the box. And, and then we got together, and we had a drink in our hand, and we're like, oh my goodness, you're 6'2", he's 5'1". Five, five like, we realized what different sizes we were, and, and it was just nice to huddle around with a drink in our hand in person versus being eight squares of the box. Absolutely. And... And yeah, so and several of those people I had, I was meeting them for the first time two years later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's and you feel like, oh my god, I've I've known you forever. Yeah, but I've known you. <laughs> yes, I've known you for years. Yes. And we've had great conversations. Yes. And, Yes. Yeah, there, there's something powerful. I totally relate to that of people you never met in person and yet you feel so close to them. And that's, uh, yeah, that's why I love that that uh, great reconnection kind of concept that 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 you. Yeah promote well that's that's linked to this that feeling the essence of that feeling is this notion of belonging right you said that you feel good you feel you know them and you feel known by them mm-hmm. so you feel like they're they're members of my tribe i belong here i belong with these people even though we're just coming back physically together for the first time this is my tribe and and so we're seeing in the in companies now they're paying they're taking the ideas of diversity and equity and inclusion and as people come back to the office they're rolling them up into this idea uh, into this macro umbrella called belonging mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and and this belonging uh, is D plus E plus I it's the diversity is do people see people like themselves who have their life experience and being successful in work, right? Are there, are there people like me here? Equity. Can people like me participate in activities that allow me to be successful, right? Am I treated as equal as, as the others or as considerately as the others? And in the inclusion side, I think Am I included in all the activities that matter around here? And one of the big, uh, there's a step that anyone can take for inclusion. And in the US culture in particular, this is why I want to highlight it. Inclusion is not who you listen to and it's not who you invite into your meetings. I think that's a good start. But I think in true inclusion is who you dine with. Mm. right and who do you invite to have lunch with you and from real bonus points and this is something a little un-american who do you invite to come to your house for dinner Mm. and and it's um i just came back from an international trip it's always a reminder when you travel outside the u.s i met some people that i've been talking to over zoom and they're like look uh, come come back to my house. We'll have dinner. I'll bring some people around, and we'll. And I was like, 
nothing happened in the US. If I went to Chicago, we'd go out to some restaurant or something, but the idea of being invited to the table, invited to the lunch, the lunch, invited to dine with, with people and talk over meals, it's a very inclusive act. So I think inclusion, uh, not to belittle it, but to highlight its essence is, to me, it's who you inviting to dine with you. Mm. And that's true inclusion, not just who you who to meet with. I love it. That's that's beautiful. And and yeah, and that um, the genuine connection. I mean, being Italian, I totally relate. And then that's how I always call it networking with the heart, from the heart, and not just for going through the steps of doing something. At, at the end of the day, I believe in genuine connections, establishing genuine connections, and then everything else will happen. Everything else that people thrive for, you know, like a, a business sale or something good. Uh, you know, if you don't establish that trust, to me, it's like you have nothing in reality. And and so I love that in the concept of belonging, because I think, you know, being a big uh, diversity and inclusion advocate, but I, for example, also big advocate of disability, people with disabilities. And, and, and you know, you feel that in almost in that pool of what we're trying to do and include, they are not, you know, in that conversation. So when you say belonging, that opens it so much more. And and I love that because then if you feel you belong, regardless for what you're attaching yourself to, what movement, then the, everything else is, it's, you know, unimportant in my view, because whatever is happening is already creating the desired outcome, which is to belong. Exactly. And, and you get, if, if anyone's wondering what belonging really feels like, I think for a lot of people, I would encourage you to go back to your best family gatherings. Mm-hmm. And it didn't matter if people were young or old or college educated or not college educated. You were accepted for who you were when you show up. For the most part, for most families, you're accepted for who you are when you walk in the door. And, and there's no judgment on that. And, and I think that gets at that essence of belonging is are you just accepted for who you are and the company has decided that each of us have a role here. So we just need to do better at engaging each other and helping each other belong and belonging leads to retention. Mm. And we are, we're now seeing the challenges that employers are having with retaining employees. And on the other side of it, I think one of my favorite questions from the Gallup polls is, uh, do you have a best friend at work? Mm. Right? That question. And and people who answer yes tend to stay at companies longer. And when people answer that question as a no, uh, frankly, I won't say it's a flight risk or they're more likely to leave because there's just they're lacking. It's a good proxy for the feeling of connection. Mm. And how do we help connect employees together? And one of the ways that we can do that, or I've seen companies doing that, is through the values. Like we, we're going back into the offices and the values are up on the wall, mm-hmm. right? We see our five values up on the wall. And companies who are now, I'll say, doing this better than other companies are taking the values and making sure that they're actually lived. How do how do our employees recognize themselves in these values? And how do we, if you have a, a value of being transparent or something, how do we make those values real each month? 
How do we model those values? And so those are great ways. Aligning people around the values are great ways to help people feel like they all belong to the same club or organization or group. But we, we don't want to show back up after two years. And I think remotely, we got a little disconnected from our corporate values and what they were. Mm. Well, I definitely see why your book is a success and it can be purchased at Amazon, uh, uh, Barnes and Nobles, you know, many other places, I'm sure. And uh, and I will share with uh, my audience uh, the link to your webpage also, which is kevinmulcahy.com, correct? Thank you. Yes. Absolutely. That will be on the show notes. And so, Kevin, I as I, as we approach the end of the of the interview, I always give my guests an opportunity. Is there anything that we didn't discuss that you're working on that that's your bot? That's something that excites you that you're looking forward to that that uh, you want to share? Well, I I think broadly, it's always what I'm working on is helping others understand. How do you constantly focus on making the experience better for those around you? And those that do that and give and be generous on that and to, to make the experience of others better just returns some great rewards to yourself. You don't always get recognized for it, but it becomes a very rewarding thing. So thanks for making this podcast a great experience for me a teacher this is great Uh, amazing I I admire your work and I've learned a lot just doing the research and I look forward reading your book as well and so my last question for everybody always is and this is good for you because you're big on reconnecting and it's about what makes you tick in the times where you feel disconnected what's your great reconnection reconnection Others like in um, what makes me tick is other people. So there's always somebody that you can reach out and call that you haven't talked to in a while. Point one, or there's always somebody in your meetings or around you in your workplace that you haven't had a coffee with for a while. So just reach out uh, as I think it's like the AT&T app or something. <laughs> we're both in the cell. Like reach out and call someone. Yeah. Reach out and talk to someone. And it's the start of the year. Who did you not talk to in 2022? And and reach out and reconnect with people. And so what makes me tick is encouraging people to do that. Mm. Connect. Call someone. I totally am with you on that one because I realize that other people make me tick too. And that's why I do this podcast. And so it's been a pleasure to meet you, Kevin. Very inspirational. Thank you for sharing your knowledge, your wisdom, your research, and and all those amazing tips that you share with us. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Thank you, everybody. And until the next episode of Back to Basics. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Back to Basics. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you haven't yet, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming platforms. This is the best gift you can give us. Join me next week for another Back to Basics conversation. And if you want to find out about other exciting things I'm working on, visit LeticiaLatino.com. Thank you, and until the next time.